welcome to the Top Order podcast. It's this week in cricket time again. We're going to talk some Red Bull India, England. A record win for India is Basball on the Rocks. We'll talk a little bit about Safraz, Drew Durrell's debuts, Duckett's 100 and the inevitable media reaction to what is just one game of test cricket. We'll also talk a little bit of New Zealand, South Africa, and we'll also maybe just give a little bit of a tip to the New Zealand Australia T20 series that started last night here in New Zealand. We'll also talk a little bit of Australia versus South Africa women as well. All coming up on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. Well, boys, we're here again recording this week in cricket, the Indian, India England series continues. Um, we're recording this on Thursday night. That's the yeah, day, yep. Thursday night here in New Zealand. The fourth test um, starts tomorrow uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, so coming around thick and fast. Um, we've got, I guess, a little bit of news on pitch and conditions and teams and all that kind of stuff. But look, let's firstly talk about the game um, that happened um, last week in Rajkot. Um, yeah, where do we? Yeah, where do we want to start? Lippy, you're probably my go-to man for the <laughs> for the narrative here from the cricketing world and the cricketing gods. Well, I guess for me, the things that stood out were the like that it's a record-breaking week. I mean, we had India broke a record. We had Jaiswell, who's broken a record for sixes in, in a series and sixes for his innings. Kane Williamson's broken records. Willow Rourke broken records. You've broken your hand. It's all kind of happening this week. But I mean, look, I, I guess for me, the, the thing that I want to start with is probably just that um, um, Jaiswell. I mean, he's the one that, like, it's a weird sort of thing because when I look at this game, you go back and you see the scorecards and you go, Ravi Jadeja got 100 and he got five for, but it almost just felt like another day at the office for him, which maybe kind of says, you know, talks to, to his brilliance. But Jaiswell, we talked about him last week, obviously he scored a double hundred, but he just keeps looking better and better. And the way he's able to kind of go through the gears and, and almost sort of come back through the gears again during his innings, mm. I mean, I, I feel like the way he did that, it just set up the game and, and you know, like chasing 500 is going to be pretty tough in India, isn't it? It seems like the test series is hinging on whoever gets a double hundred wins, <laughs> wins the game. Or close to. Or, 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 cl- or within four runs yes. thereof. Um, yeah, another incredible innings for Jaswell. He's setting all sorts of records. I mean, statistically, three hundred, three double hundreds now, I think he's got. How old is he now? 22, 23. So he's not very old, and he's starting to set records that are, you know, only Vinod Kambli, I think, has a similar number of double hundreds at same age for India and, and, and a whole bunch of other really meaningful but obscure kind of records like that. And he's a tremendous talent. Well, and yeah, I mean, this the sixes as well. Like, yeah, he he equaled uh, friend of the show Wazi Makram's uh, record for you know most sixes in an innings. I, I was stunned that he's already broken the record for most sixes in a series. I think he's got twenty two or something now, and yeah, that's think, two tests still to go. Two tests still to go. You know, he could absolutely mm. annihilate that. that and in, India have set a record for most sixes in a series by a team with with two to go so there's all sorts of all sorts of maximums um being being set uh, dlf will be laughing all the way to the bank i think but I, th- I think the thing though like that tempo thing i think is so huge for for someone like him and we see it with some other 
with, with some of the players coming through now. So Jaiswell, you look at him and he actually kind of started quite slow in that, that double hundred innings. He got off to a you know really reasonably steady start. And I think, look, the test for him is going to come when he goes, uh, you know, he's made an incredible start to his career. This test that I'm about to say, I think he'll actually still thrive. But, you know, he's going to go to Australia and England and, and all these other conditions, New Zealand, and, and it'll be different for him. But the way he's able to kind of get into his innings, then kind of he hits, he hits attacked Jimmy Anderson. He smashed him for three sixes in a row, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, annihilated him for, for that over. Then he sort of is able to almost dial it back and go, okay, well, you know, I don't need to keep going. Mm-hmm. I've got this situation mm. and I can press on and get really big scores, which are the game-changing, mm. you know, game-changing scores. You, you talk about it, Binksy, and when we play on Saturdays about riding the roller coaster and knowing when to, you know, when to really go for it and when to sort of back off a little bit. I think he is, even at 22, 23, he's got a really, really good understanding of his own game and, and how he rides that roller coaster. And he does it as well as anyone in world cricket at the moment. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I think there was there was a whole lot of horseshit talk today. Um, <laughs> this from the England guys. I think there was a comment around, you know, Jayswell's learnt from us. Oh, and yeah. oh, I'm just like, absolute poppycock. We should be learning from the way that he's played in um, the, the innings that, 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 he's, that he's had in this series. Yeah, absolutely knowing the game situation. You talk a little bit about the way he was, I wouldn't necessarily say circumspect at the start of that innings, uh, India's second innings, but, you know, got into his work. And I think the only way India were going to lose the game from there was if they did have a an absolute shambles of a collapse and then, you know, in England were able to, you know, chase down something around about 300 or something like that, which, which would have been, you know, obviously 180-odd more than they ended up getting anyway. Um, but, yeah, just the way that he went about that, that second innings. And I think the, the, the sort of topsy-turvy nature of the game, really, in that India scored at you know under three and a half in their first innings, yeah. you'd probably have said that they were a little bit under um, scoring four forty five in that in that first dig. England then obviously went out, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. You know, two hundred for one or whatever it was, um, and and then you know imploded from there. But went at you know nearly four and a half and over, and then India in the third innings of the game, okay. They've got a really, really good platform, and yeah. uh, Jaiswell and Shubman Gill and Kuldeep Yadav and Safras Khan were able to go out and in- express themselves. But yes, they did that on a, you know, on a pitch that you know was deteriorating by that point. But I think they'd obviously got, you know, a lot of overs into the England bowlers' uh, legs already. They batted 130 overs in that first innings, and then England. Uh, and look, this is going to be, you know, I wouldn't want to be James Anderson because. Stokes is trying to kill him, isn't he? You're like, um, go out there and bowl what, whatever it was, 25 overs in 35 degree heat. Mark Wood, 27 overs in 35 degree heat and then give them you know, less than sort of 72 overs off before they're asking them to lace up the bowling boots and, and go again. Um, and that probably also feeds in a little bit to Joe Root. He's been asked to bowl an awful lot of overs as well. Yeah. And that can't be it's helping more a guy than runs, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to, um, obviously got to be batting at, yeah, batting at four in that. But look, I think you've just got to give immense credit to the Indian team throughout the course of this uh, this game. Um, I, I think obviously that Jai Swell double hundred is you know is what we're all going to talk about. But I, I've got to admit, I think that the the game was obviously set up by Rohit and, and Ravi Jadeja um, and Safraz as well on on debut looked yeah. looked really really good for his sixty odd um, in in both uh, innings and, and even Jude Jarrell, Jarrell who came in and, and yeah was unlucky. Um, yeah, to nick off, um, you know, four short of a, a 50 on, on debut, but I thought he looked good with a bat. 
Um, certainly better than Barrett's looked with a bat and, and looked oh, pretty yeah. pretty reasonable with the gloves as well mm. throughout the course of the match. Got a good match. first class record, yeah. Drew Jurel. I mean, it's small, it's not low sample size, small sample size, but it's a good first class record. Can I just pick up on a point that you made in terms of the Jazzwell being able to go up and down the gears? And you made a reference to Joe Root, I think. I think <laughs> what have we learned so far 2 1 in this series? I think what we've learned is that England can learn a lesson from India in terms of baseball doesn't necessarily mean you need to be in top gear all the time and from ball one I think there is a happy medium where England particularly Joe Root who's looked like a cat on a hot tin roof for for much of this series with the bat could maybe just absorb the first 20 or 30 balls of his innings and then once he's comfortable try and accelerate the pace or even just have guys bat around him who do all of that and he can still score. I mean, we've talked about it. He can still score at 70 without taking a tremendous amount of risk. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, India are getting it right all the time and and England are getting it wrong. But I think for Joe Root in particular, if there's a guy to be looking at in this series of going, who's getting it right at the moment? I think it's, you know, it's obviously Jaswell, but I think it's for that reason that he can go up and down the gears that I would be looking at that going, okay, well, maybe there's an adjustment that I can make. Yeah, look, it's going to sound really weird, but I'm not super worried about Joe Root. Um, I I think... um, I probably don't necessarily think he's looked like a, a cat on a hot tin roof. I, th- I think what he's done is found ways to get out that mm. you wouldn't associate with his normal way of playing. And look, we can debate this until the cows come home. That little reverse lap or whatever we want to call it mm. has worked pretty well for him. Now, essentially, he got caught at second slip um, in, in that in that innings. Um, <laughs> I, I, I know I, the, the point I want to make is if he'd have got caught at second slip to Siraj or to Bumrah, with the ball on a sort of fifth stump channel, back going to play his trademark little back foot punch. I don't think we'd be talking about it. It, it is the no, fact that right. he's, the fact that he's played that shot, um, and I think the reality is that whether we like it or not, as um, particularly as an England fan, whether we like it or not. The, the guys are going to play the, the shots and sometimes they're going to look a little bit ropey getting out. So I, I don't necessarily have a massive, yeah, a massive worry about Root. I still think um, he's a class player. I, I'd still, if I had a TAB account, I'd be getting some money on him, getting 100 in one of the, the four innings that's left to come in this uh, in this series because, you know, form is temporary and class is permanent, as they've, they've often said. And I, I, look, I am not super worried. I just hope that he's the one that is deciding to play in the manner that he's playing Mm -hmm. rather than it being, hey, you need to go out and do this to impose yourself. And I absolutely think it is him that's gone out and, and tried to play in this way because when I look at the other guy in the side that has tried to impose this mentality on the team the most has been Ben Stokes probably. Um, with the exception of, you know, the guys at the top of the order have been brought in to do a specific job. But we've seen Stokes over the course of the, whatever it is, 21 or 22 test matches that he's been in charge now, soak up a lot of pressure and then know when to to go. So I'd just like to see that, you know, Joe Root has a little bit of a thinker, uh, think about that. It's Um, it's the, I feel like it's the sort of unspoken uh, thing about baseball that actually Ben Stokes, who's obviously one of the- Has blocked the the shit out of it. He's the one that in all of these, like, yeah, for the past 20 tests, he gets a start. 
he gets himself in, and mm. then he goes, and and like he's someone who catches and that, up, and that's perfectly fine because really they fast. all can, they all can, and I think that's the lesson for Joe. Root. I'm not I mean, look the three of us are t- telling a guy who's got eleven thousand test runs how to bat, but well, yeah, I mean that, that was that Ben is, Stokes's comment, yeah, wasn't it? That, yeah. that is that, that it, is the it's lesson. It's a fascinating I think. conversation, though, isn't it? Because I mean, we've the whole time during this, you know, baseball era, we've been talking about them finding a balance, and where are they going to find this balance, and you know, they've won what they haven't lost a series so far during this this span. They've won fourteen out of twenty one tests, I think it is. Yeah. Like they've found a pretty good balance. They've turned things around. And I mean, I'm interested to get your view, Binksy, really on like all of the backlash that has come because yes, it, it, it is just one test, but obviously it was it was the I guess the example that probably we haven't really had so far in baseball of everything going wrong because you know you mentioned it before India were 33 for 3 they built you know Rohit Jadeja dug them out of a huge hole Mm. got them into a you know again got them into a situation where they were probably disappointed at 434 or whatever it was in that first innings Mm. because they'd done so well to get out of it England is then 207 for 2 with a you know incredible innings from Ben Duckett yeah, and then for the rest of the test, it kind of just all goes wrong, and and everyone is just jumping on in England. Yeah, it, it can all go wrong if you if you take risks. Sometimes you're a rooster, sometimes you're a feather duster, sometimes <laughs> you're the bug, sometimes you're the windscreen. But in in this particular instance, I think India have shown what calculated risk taking looks like and how it can be successful and go big in a beginnings. Pope did a great job in the first test. I think the lesson is that. There are guys who are more naturally disposed, i.e. Duckett Crawley, to go about that in that way. Root has 11,000 test runs, 10,500 of them have come doing it one way, and he's trying something a little bit different. And I think there is an avenue back to maybe somewhere in between. And I think that's the, that's the point that I think we're all going to land on eventually. If we sort of calm down, nothing's as good or as bad as it seems. Mm. We come down into maybe if Root's just a fraction less aggressive, takes 30 balls to get in and then plays that shot, everyone's fine with it. Um, but there will always be critics for baseball. There will always be people who are on the other side of the fence that like, this is brilliant and how good is it? I think the proof is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, and Lippy, your question is probably around some of the the backlash in the the, the media piece. It, it, and to be fair, I think that's actually sort of that happened in the day or two after, and now it seems to be turning around to, you know, England's now going to approach, you know, keep yeah. maintain this positive approach. But what do they do next? Yeah, but I I think I I kind of wanted to prove a point by going and doing this, and for the first time probably ever, it has. Um, I, I kind of I'm looking at my uh, Test Match Special um, podcast feed, and when we kind of look at where we were at, is you know, it, it really is that you know fish and chip paper conversation, missed chances cost England that's day one mm. day two swashbuckling docket leads England fight back and then you know day after that the worst day of England's new era um, so I, I think it just is these extreme highs and lows mm. and I think um, th- there's a you know a, a little bit of a you know perpetuation if that's a word in the media mm. um, th- that is making you know making this that you know 
to to quote uh, you know the great philosopher Rajiv Reddy, never <laughs> every uh, what is it? Nothing is ever as good, good or, or as, as bad, bad as, as it seems. seems. Exactly, I, and that's the case. I really think with you know with cricket, with sport, mm. with this England team, and I think let's not forget, like leading into this series, India have lost something like yeah, I'll yeah. get the stat wrong, but you know four games out of fifty or something like that in India yeah, in yeah. the last you know the last 10, 15 years. And England are two of them. And England are two of them. And England are the only team to have, you know, recently won a series over there. But going back to what, 2012, I think, or something like that. So um, I I do think there is, you know, a a little bit of an overreaction to this. We have got an absolute shellacking in this game. We won't be the last team to go and get a shellacking. And I think what, you know, what, what is disappointing is that England did have a chance to get into that game. Um, you know, the first day, you know, I, I kind of turned it on when I got home from work at three for 33 and I thought, oh, hold on, game on here. Yeah. Naturally, India got themselves back in the game and then for, for in, England to go from, you know, two for 180 odd to, you know, essentially 300 and whatever it was, 19 all out, that was really, really disappointing. Mm. Seven and, for 91 they lost yeah, effectively. And, and the bigger worry for me from an England perspective is is Johnny Bairstow. Yeah. So, um you know, realistically, and he's been in this position a hell of a lot over the course of his Test match career, been written off, and you know he's he's done. He was one of the big architects of the way that this team wanted to go and play their cricket. That um, you know, golden summer when we played, you know, the one-off Test against India, South Africa. Yeah, all those um, chases, all those chases in the same summer. He was fantastic, but he's probably got two Test matches here. Because you would expect Harry Brook, um, he's going to come back into the equation when he's uh, when he's able to. Um, Zach Crawley, Ben Duckett, have, have, again probably are going to come out of this series with um, certainly in the. Uh, oh, they're ru- uh, they're rusted they're, on. They're they're been, they've in, been excellent. Yeah. yeah, in the credit and obviously Ollie Pope as well. So, and I, I think Bairstow's playing for that batting, you know, that batting spot. Um, and particularly if Stokes gets himself back, you know, back bowling, it, it probably means they don't need to think too much about, um, you know, bolstering that side from a yeah from a batting perspective when they've got a guy like Ben Stokes who can balance the side at um, at six. So that's really where my uh, my worry is. Um, and then just looking at the pitch for this um, yeah this second test, it looks like that this one could be one where the toss is super important. But mm. we've said that about the, the first three games and actually pitches have been really the pitches have been really, mm. really, uh, really, really good. They've rewarded excellent play and uh, and that's what we've seen. I mean, before we kind of look ahead to that test, there are a few players we probably should should hit on, on England. I mean, Duckett, do you want to talk a little bit about Duckett's innings? I mean, the way he, I, I, the way he was able to take down three of the world's best spinners in their conditions it, it was pretty phenomenal yeah look I let Bordy jump in I don't want to say too much about this other we were talking about this at cricket on Saturday mm. and someone said oh yeah I saw the highlights and I said well seeing the highlights <laughs> of his innings probably didn't do it justice because mm-hmm. the highlights actually just show you all of the shots what they didn't show you is that literally those shots came in a highlights package. Yeah, he, there, there was literally not a ball that he didn't try and hit for four. Um, and save playing a missing maybe half a dozen times early on. After you know, after he got through that initial little onslaught from from Bumrah and Siraj, he just he he absolutely toyed with the Indian bowlers. Oh, yeah. yeah, talk it, to, talk to us about that because that was one of the things that we talked about quite a bit on Saturday because we spent a lot, lot of time either in the sheds or out in the field. Um, well, I, I did. You did. I was going to say I did. <laughs> you you didn't. I did. Yeah. Um, 
Talk to me about how he manipulated the field in that innings because it was it was one of the highlights and it's probably under underrated when you just go back and watch all of the 23 fours and two maximums. Yeah, but look, I think what it showed is, you know, he's really, really worked on his on his game. I think, you know, you, you would have said he's not great down the ground. He's not great through the covers. But, you know, he's actually got a way to now, hit, you know, hit the ball through mm. extra cover. So, you know, guys can't just go, well, we'll hide the ball from his sweep out wide and um, make him hit the ball through the covers. He's got every single angle with those sweeps from the, you know, really, really hard hit reverse that goes square. But, you know, there, there was a there was an over where he, he, he literally did what looked like a benefit game trick to me. <laughs> he hit the ball square, then moved the man. He hit the ball um, to mid-wicket, then moved the man. He hit the ball, then reversed it square, then drove on through the covers when they overpitched. J- just the way that he manipulated the, the field. And then, you know, did the, did the thing that you always want to do, which is when you then get a really good ball you've manipulated the field so much that you're then knocking it into the gap and mm-hmm. um you know him and Crawley run pretty well between the wickets as well so turns the odd one into a two but certainly keeps mm. ticking that strike over and uh, be, yeah look England got shellacked in this game but I, I certainly think from a yeah from a bowling perspective one of the things you wouldn't probably want to do too often is bowl at a guy that's six foot five who wants to hit you down the gra- the ground and then bowl the next ball at a guy who's five foot six and uh, basically hits the ball wherever he wants uh, between sort of mid-wicket and cover because he's got that, you know, that ability with his, you know, his sweeps and whatnot. Mm. So yeah, look, a really, really good innings. And I, I think proving, you know, proving that going back to county cricket for four or five years, uh, which is what he's had to do. Mm. He had a torrid time in India in 2016 um, and Bangladesh prior to that. He, you know, he was on toast for, for Ravi Chandran Ashwin in that uh, that series. He, you know, he's really bounced back well and you know, is one of the guys that's coming out of this England, yeah, England team with a bit of credit from this series so far. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the way, yeah, like the way he took down Cooldeep and that, you know, on the on the day two to to give Cooldeep credit on day three, he bounced back super well. He did, oh, well. Told really you know, well. Probably the worst ball that he bowled was the one that got the wicket of Duckett, but you know, he really hey, that, sort of that happens when you're a wrist spinner, mate. Exactly, that happens. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, the way he was able to do that to to the spinners was was fantastic. How about some of the Indians that really performed? Because Safra, as we mentioned him before, I, I mean, you look at when when you don't know, you know, we don't watch the Ranji Trophy, we don't see all of this stuff. When you know, when you a newish player to you comes into the game and you go, okay, cool, I'll have a look at their first class stats, and you see that he averages seventy from forty six matches, mm. and you're kind of going, okay, so what on earth is going on here? And then actually, like when he batted. I'd say maybe until he got the first run because it looked like he was super nervous to get that first run. After that, I mean, he looked, looked very, very comfortable. Looked pretty comfy, didn't he? Yeah, he's got an excellent first-class record, Safaris Khan. And you look at the average and you go, oh, he's probably only played half a dozen games, maybe a dozen games. He's yeah. got 3,500, almost 4,000 runs at an average of 70 over 46 matches, as you say. So the sample size is big enough. Uh, looks uh, looks every inch the Test cricketer. India have uncovered, not surprisingly. Yet another Test cricketer capable of batting in that middle order. It's getting more and more congested by the day. Were it not for the fact that he was absolutely barbecued, like he was slow roasted, mm. you know, turned, yes. you know, marinated, basted, <laughs> yeah. had a bit of a barbecue rub there and finished with some, with some, you know, Went hot wing sauce. For a bit exactly. and, then, and then back on for yep. a final finishing. Exactly. Yeah. He was absolutely served up on a platter by Ravindra Jadeja. Uh, unfortunate for him on debut. I reckon he could have gone and got a big hundred. 
He looked he looked like he, he was ready to roll. Yeah, look, England didn't have any answers to, nope. to him really over the course of the two. Uh, and yeah, as you say, you know, they're, they're going to have been able to see plenty of footage of him because um, yeah he's uh, there's certainly uh, yeah a, a pretty decent strike rate out there and 1400s to go and uh, look on the Ranji Trophy highlights page mm. his stories are, are, are really fascinating one as well um, I think family moved up to Mumbai so you know he could play lots and lots of cricket and I think there was an interview with his dad during the test match where he they seems said a ripper. Yeah, it seems an absolute ripper and he, you know he said he played something like two or three thousand games of cricket wow um, yeah it's sort of since he's moved to, to Mumbai literally playing in every single pickup game um, that, that he could um, which yeah I, I, I wouldn't want to yeah I wouldn't want to play against him I wouldn't but, but he's a good he's a good cricketer but a, a serious question because we, we keep talking about this Indian strength in depth and you know all the batters that um, can come into this team particularly bowlers as well obviously with the with the spin stocks that they've got but you know, we've we've said, and we'll probably come on and talk a little bit about Shubman Gill, who obviously got a score in in this game. He, you know, he's probably got himself a little bit more time now. Yeah. But you know, we've had Patadar come in. Uh, we've had obviously now Safraz come in. We've got some, que- you know, some questions probably about two or three guys. Uh, Rahul out the side. Um, Kohli's going to miss the rest of the series as well. Yeah. So you know, whilst the you know the names that we talk about. It, there seems to be so much pressure on these guys when they come in to do well. Mm. Is that because there's so, you know there's so much other talent that if you don't get a score that you might spend a lot of time out of the out of the side? Right. And, it, and uh, is that a problem for India? I don't think it's a problem. But ask my uncle Agarwal what it's like to get back into the Indian side because he was the next big thing before Gill was the next Prithvi big Shaw. thing. Prithvi Shaw was yeah. the next big thing. So there are lots of guys on the outer now that are forced to make another 4,000, 5,000 runs in Ranji Trophy. It feels a lot like the Australian uh, first-class scene of the mid-90s where you've got lots of guys having to make runs season after season after season to get back into the Indian side. So that, to me, that's the the indicator of of how deep this Indian team is, is how hard it is and how many many runs you have to make at first-class level to get back into the team. So I think that's that's the the big key indicator for me at the moment. On Patida, I haven't seen a lot from him. I haven't seen anything that shows me that he's got the likes to be able to hang with, you know, Shreyas Iyer or Agarwal or Shaw or well, any of those I think if Rahul was groups. fit for this fourth yeah, test, Patida would be the one you'd miss. He, he, he'd, he'd he'd miss out, yeah. well, so. And he two poor dismissals for him as well. Like poked one into the covers in yep. the first innings and slapped a long hop. Mm. Okay, that happens now and again, but it just looked, yeah, didn't look great when it, you know, he had mm. a chance to to go out there, get himself in and, and then really, you know, probably have a, almost like a no pressure, you know, no pressure knock at that point, you know, comes into bat at, you know, two for 200 or something like that. Mm. You, that'd be a brilliant time to bat as a debutant, wouldn't it? Second inning, set up a little declaration, you bat for, you know, bat for yourself with Jaiswell at the other end going great guns. So, yeah. 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 That, that would have, that would have kept him in the conversation, I think, in front of yeah. the selectors if he had got a 60 or 70 red ink in the second innings like Safraz did, right? That, that That's where we're at at the moment. We're talking about Safraz being the guy who will stick around when other, other players start to come back and unfortunately, Patadar is going to have to go back to Ranji Trophy, going to have to go back to IPL and 
and make a lot of runs to get himself, I think, back in front of the selectors again. Yeah, I think the the depth thing will be in this this test, and you know, look ahead to this next test that's about to, to about can, to happen. Can, we'll, can I just ask one question before we move on to the pre, like preview yeah, yeah. of this test? So, um, there, there was an interesting scenario in this, and maybe this is one that we'll come on to in a future of cricket style episode. But Ravichandran Ashwin leaving the ground, I think, on day mm. two. Um, yeah, you know, personal, like, yeah, yeah, personal, personal, personal reason. I think his his mother was ill, I believe. Um, it, it turned out that he came back, but there was a little bit of chat around, you know, really at this stage, um, only allowed substitutes for COVID or concussion. So that COCO is the abbreviation mm-hmm. that the ICC should use if they don't. Um, <laughs> but on a serious note, do, do we think there is a, you know, a conversation around substitutes in test cricket for, you know, for these type of reasons and or tactical reasons as well? I don't, I don't think so for tact. I would not like to see tactical subs. Let's just put that to bed, I think, if I, you ask me. I think I'm with Stuart here in Test Cricket, and I wouldn't like to see a tactical substitution, but I think it's reasonable if a player is experiencing off-field stuff, yeah. whether it's mental health or family, etc., in the same way that we can take a day off and leave our jobs um, and go and deal with those things. I think Test Cricketers absolutely should be able to. I'm not sure whether they should be able to come back into the game. I'd be happy for them to be replaced with a like-for-like player. So Akshar comes in, for example, for the sake of the argument, for a Jadeja, for example. Uh, But I'm not sure that I would advocate for... Ravichandran Ashwin to miss two days, another player comes in, and then Ravichandran Ashwin comes back and plays day five, for example. That yeah. that that would be an unusual scenario. But I'm I'm certain that there's avenues that we can explore where players could be substituted for mental health or family reasons or or anything anything I think other than probably injury. Yeah, I, th- uh, I still think injury is bad luck, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I guess. Look, so we're all going to agree, which is bizarre, yeah, okay. bizarre. We needed Raj here to, to to break that cycle potentially, but no, yeah, absolutely agree. I, I certainly think for those kind of reasons, that there should be a you know a discretion rule in there somewhere. That's the hard thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because they can't really make a rule. Like every situation is going to be different, yeah, yeah. and I think you almost it, it almost them. has to be with the match referee. Well, right? I agree. Yeah, match I referee agree. has to go. Well, I've looked at the situation. And I feel like this is appropriate that they can yeah, get a substitute be because, because uh, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I think the injury, the, the injury piece is up for abuse, isn't it? You know, um, you know, we, oh, we, yeah. we've all seen someone you know chase the ball out to cover and Got slide yeah, and pull over and pull a hammy, pull a hamstring. Can't happen. Let Let's move on and talk then about the fourth test, which is coming up as we said, thick and fast on the on the the heels of this game. So. Um, Looking like it's going to be a more spin-friendly deck is the you know is the initial chat. Yeah. Um. You know, Ben Stokes has, has said something like, "I've never seen a wicket like this." There's lots of plates on it. Um. You know that there's firing a bit of water on it, which might make it dry out quickly, which seems counterintuitive. But look, he knows more than me about <laughs> um, test cricket. Pitches. I also saw to counter that. I also saw like uh, some ch- chat around some of the other tests that have been played here, and they've actually. It's held together all right. It's held to, that, yeah. They've, there's been similar thoughts. I, even um, even in this test, the third test, uh, I was listening to a, uh, quite a bit of it on the radio, and the radio commentators were going one one of the oh, I forget who the the commentator was, but he was an Indian commentator, and he said uh, this was on day one, and he said day three this is going to be unplayable, and it just right. ne- and it just never happened. Like yeah. that pitch was pretty good all the way th- you know through to the end of the test. Mm. So yeah, I mean I think. 
that, like we said last week, it's been great that we haven't really been talking about pitches at all in this series. It's about the good play from both sides. And, yeah, I mean, hopefully that continues. But I think what what more is more relevant about that discussion is what it, what are England going to do and what are India going to yeah. do in terms of their selection because we've seen it sounds like you know England kind of named their side possibly by the time probably they'll name it just as we finish the pod but usually uh, you know they name it around now it sounds like Mark Wood's going to be replaced Dolly Robinson come in just for some fresh legs and then the decision for England is going to be around do we play Jimmy again or do we bring in Bashir or do we say Joe Root's bowling so many overs at the moment that can we just pick Dan Lawrence so mm. yeah a lot to kind of consider on, on their point of view and for India it's you know they've decided to rest Jasper Bumrah who do they replace him with? Do they replace him with a Seymour or do they bring in that, that shaft? That's a really interesting point. I, I read an article where it was talking about whether or not India should play four spinners. And I'm not sure that that is the best avenue for them because I think their their side looks way more dangerous um, as the England team been named. Yeah, you all, life, you've, life. Always got, you've always got to check Twitter for these, for these things. It's live not, live g- news. Yeah. Give, us, give us the news. Well, no, you, go with your point. We'll go see with India. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, look. Mukesh wasn't particularly wasn't penetrative. He wasn't particularly dangerous looking in the test that he played. However, I think he's probably the best of the seamers that haven't been picked. They've missed Shami. They, they have. They really have. Um, I think there was talk of um, picking an alternate seamer who might show a bit more pace, a cash deep. Cash deep, yeah. yeah might be might be an option. But I, I just feel like two seamers and three spinners is the way forward for India particularly if they've got Jadeja batting at you know five or six or whatever I, d- I don't think I'd mess with that formula too much you're grinning so something something interesting's happened Binksy What's, what have they done what, give us the news well um, I, I, gar- I guarantee you we wouldn't have got this right so um, yeah, we'll just have a very very quick quick file what England bowlers would you have played in this test match would I have played yeah well I think based on who's available uh, yeah probably I would have gone uh, yeah, I would have gone with Robinson uh, and the two spinners that were there, Rahan uh, Hartley, and then yeah, I I don't know, I don't I don't I would have kept Jimmy going to be quite honest. I think he's been a very useful bowler for them in this series. Baldy, oh, Broaden Anderson and uh, <laughs> and uh, Monty Penderson. and Monty and uh, uh, who's the big one? That's the bodybuilder now, Chris Tremlett. Chris I have, Tremlett, have, yeah. have Chris Tremlett in there just because I know he's super fit. Uh, no, it'll be Anderson Robinson. Hartley ran Ahmed. So okay. I'm sure we're wrong. So so England have gone in with the same top seven as we've seen throughout the course of this uh, this series so far. So folks at seven. And the bowlers, Hartley, yep. Robinson. Cool. Yes. Anderson. Yes. Bashir. Oh, oh nice. okay. So, yeah. so Ran Ahmed's missed out. So Ran Ahmed has yeah, as, as, uh, as missed out. So that's a bit England, of a shame for him. England team for, for the fourth uh yeah, fourth test. There you go. Interesting. What, what were his figures? I don't. I don't look. I don't. You know. I don't think it'll do him any harm to miss out and watch a game on the sidelines and see what happens. He's. You know. He's obviously a still pretty young player. I've. He's had a bit of criticism as well throughout the series, but I've actually been encouraged kind of with what I've seen in terms of his long term future mm. for England. But yeah. He looks as good as any of the other guys. I. I don't think we're looking at this going round Ahmed's a, a step below. These are these other two spinners. What yeah. what's the key to England turning this around though, Banksy? But you know, before we move on to, to different countries. Yeah, well, look, I think the key, the key to to England turning this around, I think, is um, three things. So I think it would be great if they could win the toss. Um, number one, um, number two, I think it is when they are in that position of strength with the bat, and they will be at some point in yeah. a position of strength with the bat. 
is that they actually do, um, you know, take a little bit of that Stokes and know when it's the time to soak up a little bit of uh, a little bit of pressure. And then I think by picking this side, and they've been pretty clear around the way they're going to pick their bowling attacks. They're picking their bowling attacks to take 20 wickets as quickly as possible. They've said that quite often. Mm. So they're not worried about um, they're not worried about the the runs that they want to take the wickets as quickly as possible and um, yeah take everything else out of the equation. And I think what that means with the side that they've picked here is they're probably placing a bit of a premium on accuracy with with these guys. Um, Hartley okay has bowled the odd drag down ball, but has actually looked pretty good as a holding. Um, or a guy that can just hit a length. Um, Bashir, I think we saw that in the test match that he played for a 19-year-old lad. He looked pretty accurate and, and got, a, got a few revs on it. And then I think if we go back to Eng- uh, England's success in Pakistan last winter, Ollie Robinson um, is still averaging 21 with the ball yeah. or something like that. So fantastic career figures. Uh, and Jimmy Anderson, I think if there are any... Um, areas on that pitch that you're targeting for it with a little bit of movement and uh, an uneven bounce. That's where they're going and they're saying, you know, our seamers are probably going to do the job of being able to winkle out wickets with, you know, those funky straight set fields with maybe not many slips in place. Mm. Um, so th- those are going to be the, the keys, I think, um, uh, for for uh, for England in this in this game, are you advocating for a cordon of mid-offs rather <laughs> than a cordon of slips? What do we what do we think it should be called? A loveliness of a mid-offs. loveliness of mid-offs. Yeah, yeah it's like a, yeah, we were, we were debating collective noun for a group of mid-offs. Well, it's just my theory that in our grade of cricket, um, Stu, that I've done some statistical analysis. I think uh, a third grade side is is more always mid-offs. is always going to catch more at mid-off than they are in the slips. So You're you might as right. well have three mid-offs rather yep. than three slips. <laughs> Feedback taken on board, I can assure you. Yes, well, I won't be providing much on-field feedback no. um, for the rest of, not, the rest not, of this. Not for a week or two. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, Shall we move on? Let's talk a, a little bit um, yeah, of cricket slightly closer uh, cl- closer to home. Where, where do we want to start? Do we want to start with the, the T20 or do we want to start um, back to the to the Test Series? Let's let's talk about Test cricket. Let's, yeah. let's start with let's the po- with let's, test let's, cricket. Let's talk about the positive things first. What do you take away from this test match, Stuart? I've got a couple of takeaways from this South Africa test. Mm. What 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 is your primary reaction to this to this test against South Africa? My, to be quite honest, my primary reaction is we made like we made history, and I'm actually like lots of people are not happy, like feel that that's not like not a satisfying thing to do. But mm. New Zealand have never beaten South Africa in a series. It's taken us 92 years to win. You know what's now called the Tangiwai Shield, which awesome name by the way. Fantastic. Um, you know, commemorating that that, inc- that rail incident. But like New Zealand, absolutely, like they made they made parts of this test hard, the second test. Mm. But they did exactly what was asked for them. I feel like in a number of ways, apart from maybe Devon Conway, who uh, you know un- actually got some runs last night in the T20, which is a, you know a huge plus for New Zealand. They ticked a lot of the things that they would have wanted to see from this series. Mm-hmm. You know, Rutchin got runs. We saw, you know, Will Young come off the bench and score runs. We saw Kane Williamson show just how great he is at, at, at all times. We saw a debut for Will O'Rourke. Like, they ticked a number of things that they wanted to, to see. They've got, you know, maximum World Test Championship points from this series. They were even, like, they were able to be put under a little bit of pressure in the second test, probably for their own doing it at various times. And they came through and actually, you know, you look at the scorecard and they came through quite comfortably in the end. So, look, 
you can look certainly look at the second test with a, a glass half empty view but I think for what they wanted to achieve from the overall series I think a lot of those boxes were ticked I think you can take a very like very positive glass half full approach to all of those things that you've said I do want to unpack some of the of the glass half empty things because I think yeah. they're worth talking about totally. I don't think I don't think they're necessarily the points of focus that people should be dwelling on because New Zealand have done all the things that you've said they've they've made history they've overcome adversity they have triumphed over a side that gave us a great deal of fighting spirit ultimately maybe not as much test match world class cattle, oh, I, I, I 100% yeah, I acknowledge that like this was a series however, we had to win however New Zealand were on a hiding to nothing. If they didn't win both test matches like they did the first one, people would be saying that New Zealand have underperformed. Yeah. If they have a close test match, New Zealand have underperformed. If they win it, it was a farce and New Zealand was always going to do that anyway. So very, very difficult for New Zealand to win over fans um, from that perspective. There are a lot of things to like. Um, should we talk about all of those? Have you got all the positives out of the way? Because I have Come, a few go, others let, that I want to. Let's go through the the worries and then let's let's yep. finish with the positives. Okay, we're going to do the, we're going to do the poo sandwich. Yep. Okay, so a couple of poo sandwich items that I think we need to talk about. I think we need to talk about the opening partnership. Yep. Um, because for a couple of years now, that opening partnership has been, um, and please don't use this the wrong way. Their, their averages, both of them, have been below what I think many people expect from them and maybe what they expect from themselves. I think I read a stat somewhere that over the last couple of years, Latham's averaged in the low 30s, might even be yeah. lower than that. And, you know, we've talked on this podcast about Conway's struggles. Yeah, opening... Conway's has really only been the last six months or so. Well, yeah. since he scored 150 against England in the uh, ODI World Cup. And then and sin- until that score last night for um, New Zealand against in the T20, yeah. he'd had 20-odd innings, yeah. you know, without a, without a 50. So, so the, opening, been a the opening partnership as a combination hasn't been the strong suit for New Zealand that it was maybe the season or two before. That's still a concern, I think. Um, I don't think it requires a change of cattle, but I think it's still still a concern. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a, there's a change of cattle because I, I don't think there is anyone better to probably put at the top of the order. I know I'm going to get the Will Young comment, but I, I don't... A lot I of people are talking about, you know, should Ratchin go up there yeah. and should Conway go down to four? Like, I, I think there are a lot of permutations where they could change things up if they wanted to, and, and even, you know, could be Will Young and, and Ratchin Ravind. Like, there, there are things that they could do, but mm. yeah, yeah, I, continue. But I, but I think most of those guys are in the in the side. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, as much stock as, as the podcast might have, I hope it's not in our joint names that Will Young's <laughs> stock and um, you know ultimately he's got a reasonable you know sample size 15 or 14 or 15 test matches and he's averaging under 30 so I, I as much as you know I know you guys like him I don't think he's going to make it I think Conway is going to come good um, you know he, I think he proved again it's a pretty decent Australian attack mm. last night that he you know he's still got the you know he's still got the goods and um, that Latham is probably the bigger worry for me is what 70 or 80 test matches into his career and mm. um, what's his you know improvement uh, ceiling now um, and then yes who who is you know who is next um, and and really how long can Kane continue to go on for and I'm sure we'll talk about him but what an absolute you know freak of a, of a bloke um, so for me that that is a concern that unless Conway starts to fire quickly and then you know we get a scenario where maybe Latham does a little bit of an Usman Kawaja and you know you know that, start, starts that, to come that's good. the best case scenario that, right is that, that he has a late case. career yeah, if he turns into late career Usman Kawaja then yeah. yes we'll he, be very here's, happy here's my view on why they shouldn't change their personnel right who are they going to change it for Will Young 
who's probably not going to give them much different to what they've got now. Like he's not a substantial upgrade on Conway or Latham. You can argue, you can make that point. Ratchin might be, but where's Ratchin's spot probably likely to be long-term? It's probably Kane's spot at three, right? So why- I actually think his long-term future is opening, but you know, I, I'm very, very comfortable giving him that time to get up there. I, yeah. I have no problem with that. I, I think it's either opening or at three. Either way, are we going to change him now for the sake of a few test matches or are we going to leave him at four? Know that that position is his now, right? That is his spot at four. We have Daryl Mitchell to come in at five. Yep. Yep. And then we've got the conversation that I think we want to get on to next is what is New Zealand doing with six and seven at the moment? Because that to me is still an unanswered question. Not sure that it's necessarily a problem for New Zealand, but you know we've tried Santner, we've tried Glenn Phillips in this series. What Blundell's do you, had a few lean games. Yeah, Blundell has had a couple of lean games with the stick, but he's still a reasonable gloveman. What do we think is the thought process around six and seven for New Zealand going forward? Well, before before I answer that, I actually think that what your all your points one hundred percent agree in terms of. I think this is a pretty big six to twelve months for someone like Tom Latham in particular. Uh, there's been a lot, you know. He at one point was in the. Uh, every year there was conversations about who are the best openers in the world and Tom Latham was always sort of in that yeah, conversation. Absolutely. He was someone he was, that people, yes. you know, maybe they never thought he was the best opener in the world, but he was always someone that kind of got honourable mentions mm-hmm. in that category. I don't think he's there now. And I think if you look towards, uh, you know, the thing that everyone points to is you look at his stats against the higher ranked nations and they're not there. Like this is a series now where he's going to be going against Australia in home conditions and you know people are going to be looking this is when you can turn that narrative around right and it's going to be the same for some of those other guys it's going to be the same for someone like tom blundell who actually i mean he scored a a great hundred against australia last time we were over there at the mcg so you know he's he's had moments where he's sort of stepped up in those scenarios but i think for latham in particular it's kind of it seems a bit weird to say but like legacy legacy building you know like what are we going to remember from tom latham's career was he sort of just a like I think he'll go down probably as New Zealand's best ever opener, even if he kind of just sort of his career peters away from this point. Because you know you look back through our history, there's not a, a huge, uh, you know, statistically in terms of the guys that we've had in terms of longevity. That you know there's some other players that we could talk about for a long time that uh, you know in, in our history that played far fewer tests. But he's got the numbers on on most of those guys. But now it's time for him to show, you know, how much longer does he have? Yeah, if he if he deserves that moniker, he will have to perform well against Australia in home conditions. He's performed well in seasons past in home conditions. He's got a double hundred here in New Zealand. He's played very well. I think you're right in that there is there is a lot riding on this for Latham and Conway against Australia. In fact, if if New Zealand are going to win either of these tests and all the series, those two are going to have to really outpoint Stark Cummins Hazelwood in New Zealand conditions and show the Australian openers um, who will be a new opening pairing how that's going to really, really go, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, well, think- yeah, I mean, you, you can't have Kane coming in at five for one every, like, yeah. every game. You know, he needs to... Yeah. He needs to, he needs someone else to step up and I, help him out. I, I think it's I think it's unfair to ask Kane to score the runs in every innings. You have a look at this Test series against South Africa. The only innings that New Zealand struggled with is the only one that Kane didn't get a hundred. Yeah, he got a hundred in every other innings, and New Zealand <laughs> looked fine. So whenever Kane gets a hundred, everything's dunky hoary. But as soon as he gets out for anything under three figures, questions start being asked of the rest of that batting lineup. So 
I think that's a that's an area where everyone else is going to have to step up because Kane's not going to be able to, well, hopefully from an Australian perspective, score all the runs for New Zealand. Yeah, and, and yeah, look, I guess that that plays in a little bit to that point around that five six that real engine room. You, you've not got a lot from that engine room in this you know series. Really, have missed Daryl Mitchell. I think. Yep, big time. Um, absolutely, yep, second test for sure. Missed him. Missed, um, it, missed him in terms of. I think you could see it uh, in that chase the most. When actually, you know, on paper it looks very good, and Will Young comes in and scores sixty odd. But I think you could see it in the way that everyone that batted with Kane batted really slow and was really sort of fighting whereas mm. when you have Daryl Mitchell I don't know how many times I'm going to say this but I, I will continue it through his career he comes in and he puts the emphasis on like he changes the energy of the game as soon as he walks to the mm, crease yeah. it was very much an old fashioned chase wasn't it yep. you know plodding along oh, yeah. three and over or, or yeah yep. thereabouts yeah yeah, yeah, not it was it was the anti baseball chase for sure. But and yeah. I, I don't I know you didn't mean it like that. No, I it, didn't. I, I, yeah. I just mean it in the way that you know, t- t- we, if you've got a Darrell it was Mitchell, if you've out. got a David Warner, if you've got a Mitchell Marsh, whoever it is, who just comes in and goes, you know what, I am going to come and exert my authority. And yep. as much as Kane exerts his authority, he doesn't do it in that. Um, you know that, that sort of dominating barrel-chested way that mm. is part of that. You know that that modern game, um, and you know I, th- I think it's got to be that uh, you get a little bit of that from Glenn Phillips, or you get a little bit of that from yeah Daryl Mitchell when he's in the side. But when you kind of look at you know Williamson, Ravindra, Young, you, you're not super scared of, of that. You're, you're scared of death by a thousand paper cuts from someone like. Williamson, but you probably know that you know those guys aren't going to take the game away from you in that engine room. I don't think. Yeah, and I, I think you know to that point, I think that they'll still stick with Glenn Phillips for at, at six. I mean, you know, we're we're two tests away from the, him like being the star in Bangladesh. Yeah. So he like, was brilliant. To be fair to him in this series, he turned the game with some of his catches. Yeah, wasn't so great last night in the T Twenty, but you know his his. His ability to, you know, take those catches in the field and and add an option with the ball. I mean, I don't know how much he's going to bowl against Australia to yeah. be fair in a Test match, but you know, I, I think that the ability for him to like, if we're in a good position, if Kane's in batting well, if someone from the top order is batting well, and we can bring in a Daryl Mitchell or bring in a, a Glenn Phillips, maybe you know it's Blundell, then it's uh, depending on the pitches whether it's Mitchell Santner that also plays. Mm. Suddenly we've got these guys that can play with some tempo and actually take it to the Australians. And I, I think at times we will have to do that in this series. We're not going to be able to just grind a tr- Australia I, into I, the ground. I completely agree. We'll get onto it when we preview the Australia series, but I think New Zealand have to take the attack to Australia. And I think I would have, if I was New Zealand, I would have Glenn Phillips up the order at six ahead of Blundell so yeah. that he has the maximum opportunity to attack with other batters around him yeah. and he doesn't have to over attack when he's batting with the tail not that you know Henry um, Wagner Jamison's not going to play but Henry and yes. Wagner certainly those guys can bat but I would want to have him batting around other batters and certainly not going well shit if there's a wicket lost here then I'm with then the I've tail go, yeah. now I've got to go now yeah, so yeah. I think that's the that's the change that hopefully New Zealand don't make putting my one-eyed Australian hat on for the Australian <laughs> series but but I think it, it's, it would lead to better outcomes for New Zealand in that, in that batting lineup. What about the bowling Stuart anything you want to dwell upon there for too long? Uh well, I mean, the thing the thing that came out of this test was Willow Rook's debut. Re- you know, record on debut for New Zealand, got nine for 93 as a, a match return. And, 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 you know, those that's obviously a great return. But I think the encouraging 
the, the exciting thing for for me in terms of what he actually did was was actually just all of the little you know intangibles like he kept his pace going throughout throughout the whole game so you know you can see, often see someone comes in they have a big first spell and then in you know late in the day they come back and they're by 125 and they don't have that pace he kept his pace up throughout all the spells he was you know thanks to a, a you know brilliant catch from Glenn Phillips but actually in that third innings when South Africa was you know putting the they got themselves into a brilliant position South Africa mm-hmm. with with Peterson and, and Beddingham were you know put putting some real pressure on uh, New Zealand Will, Will O'Rourke's the one who comes in and makes the breakthrough and then you know he goes on takes five for and he was able to just like he seems like he's someone who fits at that level he's got he's a tall guy he bounces and New Zealand don't have a lot of pace in our test attack. You know, we're all sort of around the, you know, I think you saw it. 130, 135. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Henry's kind of the quickest and, mm. and, you know, he's not expressed. So I think having that option to have another guy who can run in and, and kind of hit the deck hard is, is pretty valuable. So, yeah, again, we'll probably talk about it more in depth when we actually look ahead to that series in more detail. But I think he's a serious chance. I mean, particularly with, with Jameson now, out of the out of the series and I mean just to briefly talk about that I mean just gutting for him really like to miss to have another stress fracture after spending you yeah. know a year out of the game really to and and starting to look like himself again mm. these past few few games to have to go and do yeah. all of that again is really really difficult and he talked about like it's almost the mental side. We talked about the mental side being the toughest part yeah. of it when you when you go through something like that. I, I think he's got to sit and have a beer with Pat Cummins when the Australians are over here because Pat Cummins went through that for five, six years when he was a young fella from the sort of age of 17 through 24. So if there's anyone that can lend some perspective to A, how hard it is and B, that it's possible to come back and, you know, prove the old adage that you're injury prone until you're not, I think, you know, that would be the guy that I'd be tapping on the shoulder yeah. and going, actually, mate, do you, do you mind just having a couple of spates and answering a few trivia questions and talking about what, what you know, what, what the process is and what it's like? I guess it would depend from uh, Cummins whether or not it's an ethical product, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would have to be. It would yeah. have to be. Um, it have to be environmentally friendly um, and and all that all, yes. all that sort of stuff. Any comments on the South Africa team before we wrap up? Sorry, you want we, to talk we, about Yeah, well, we, we're, we, we're not going to get out of this yeah. without talking about Kane. But we can talk about South Africa and finish with Kane just, if you'd like. Just let, let him talk. <laughs> just for, no, no. Just, well, look. No, let's talk about Kane, and then let's come on and talk about South Africa. Yeah, right. I'm gonna get a cup of tea. No, well, quite honestly, like I, I guess the thing about Kane, we everyone knows how good he is. Although you still see the doubters, you still see the doubters saying that he's not as good as Coley, and he's not as good as he's not. Root, and he's not as good as all these other people in terms of those conversations, which is fine. I guess the thing that I'm quite fascinated in, and, and has come out of this test, I mean, like you. Putting almost putting that aso- that innings aside that he played to to win that game, it, it, it when he was at the crease you knew New Zealand were going to win. It was it was sort of that simple. While he was there, it, he had everything under control like he usually does when he's at his best. He's someone who's you know you, you can rattle off the things that he's done. He scored seven hundreds from his last twelve innings, and you know there's a serious knee injury in the middle of of all of that. You know, he's got the most fourth innings hundreds ever now, five alongside Eunice Khan, four of them in successful run chases, which personally I rank very, very highly. His second highest average of all time in, te- in test wins of 81, only behind, you guessed it, Sir Donald Bradman at, at 130, which that is guy. quite remarkable. You know, since the start of 2014, he's averaging 65 
with uh, from 69 tests 2800s in that span mm. like uh, we can keep rattling off you know fewest hundred fewest innings to, to 3200s i guess the interesting part that kind of came out of this test was where does he rank in terms of new zealand all time because it's so it's so tricky to kind of compare richard hadley who uh you know was a brilliant brilliant cricketer and an all-rounder I mean, an all-rounder, but I think you know, predominantly made his made his hay, you know, with the ball, and and played in a in a different kind of lineup and a different sort of success. We had no success when Richard Hadley was here. Richard Hadley turned up, well, before Richard Hadley, Richard Hadley turned up, and New Zealand started to win some tests. Kane Williamson's career, whether you know you think it's a coincidence or or large, you know a, a decent chunk of it, Kane can get credit for. He's, his career has been through New Zealand's best decade of you know international cricket, I would say, throughout our history. So, you know, they've both kind of got that winning on the side, and and, and I just don't know. And I'm, you know, maybe Baldy can help from the historical side of things. How do we compare the two of them in terms of like at what point do we say Kane Williamson is New Zealand's best cricketer ever? No, now. Well, I, I do, yeah, best cricketer ever. Like when, does, when does he surpass Hadley? I guess he, is the question. He, he's definitely the best batter. There's oh no, yeah, there's, there's no question there's about no that question in my mind. People, you know, people might point to to Crow, but I think yeah. you know, just statistically, Kane is just so far ahead of Crow now that I I don't think you can make that argument. Yeah, I, and look, I've kind of flippantly said he's not as good as Coley. I I think the stats would would stats would prove you wrong. Would, would tell you a different uh, a different story. So yeah, look, it, he's definitely. You know, definitely up there, and I, I think probably for, it's a really difficult one because th- there's a lot of stories about Hadley that you know he wasn't the kind of consummate team man. Um, you know, it was very much about if I do my job, then we're a great team. Whereas Kane has got a completely different mentality. You know, he wants other people to shine, mm. and I think the fact that he's a genuine three format player still, and every time you try and question, you know, oh, we should probably give up one of the formats. Um, yeah. He does something special in that format to go, well, actually, no, he's got a lot to offer. Yeah. I think about, you know, recent T20 World Cups, for example. Um, so I, I absolutely think he's probably got to go down as, uh, you know, as, as very, very close to your greatest player. And certainly by the time he finishes, he will be. Mm. What, what about from, from you know, your, got, your algorithm point he's got of view? Some real stats well, I just, I just want to throw some comps out there. So I'm not saying that this is right. But, but where we had Hadley in the Top Order Hall of Fame was around about the same kind of area that we had Cook, that we had Dravin, that we had Ponting. Those okay. are the kind of batters who were above and below him. So, you know, Ponting, 168 tests, 13,000 runs at 51. Cook was 12,000 runs at 45. And Dravid was 13,000 runs at 52. So if Kane's average is around 51, 52, and he's got... He, he, won't, 55, he, he won't have that many tests, yeah, right? That's he be the he won't have... How many tests he played now? 85, 96? 98. Okay, so, so he's 100th at Hagley, hopefully. Okay, so he's going to end up with 125 tests, 130 tests. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe. So he's not going to play as many test matches as those guys. But if he ends up with, I don't know... 10,000 runs. 10,000 runs. So 10,000 runs at 52 is Eunice Khan. And I think he would probably end up going past Eunice Khan on the top order Hall of Fame. And he's at sort of in the low low 30s, he's quite st- high 20s. He's quite statistically similar to Eunice Khan in terms of like conversion rates. And yeah, a lot of a lot of the things that 
people point to about Kane actually kind of match up with Eunice Khan. So it's an interesting. So here's here's another one. Sunil Gavaskar, 125 tests, 10,000 runs at 51, 3400s. Mm. And he's already a better commentator than him, and he's never commentated. <laughs> so so post play career aside, I think floor Gavaskar, Eunice Khan. Potential high siders somewhere around Dravid, Cook, Hadley, somewhere like that. And I think if you put him in that conversation, you look at him head-to-head against Hadley, I think that now it's a conversation. At the end of his career, if he does have 10,000 runs, if he does have an average of, you know, 53 and he's got, oh, he might not have 40 hundreds. He might. Shit. (laughs) He's getting them pretty quickly at the moment. He might. But remember, he did have a patch there where he went a a year and a half without getting one. Um, Just a year and a half without a hundred. But I think he's got a hundred in every single calendar year. He does. That that year and a half was kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we did this a while ago, Bordy, but Mm. he covers Alistair Cook. He already covers Alistair Cook. Wow. He, he, he already covers Raul Dravid for me. Wow, okay. So, yep. He, he, uh, you broke no argument from me there, but remember the longevity he, conversation. Yeah, with and Cook, I, right? think, I think, you he's know, not, when we... He's not getting past that Anderson fella, though. I, I so think the in interesting there. part is a lot of these guys we do see, uh, you know, he hasn't got to the... Uh, a lot of these guys get, like, the last two or three years, yeah. everything goes down, right? Yeah. Their average goes down, and some of that it tends to bring them back to the pack. If well, that happened can, to Ponting, yeah, right? happened to Ponting. It's maybe happening to Smith. Hopefully, hopefully continues to happen in, in this series. Yeah. But, Daddy. you know, well, you're the one that keeps keeps saying it, Baldy, that that's, you think Smith's average will come down. I mean, if he, if it doesn't and he keeps going at this rate, then it would be yeah. unprecedented. Wow. Yeah. As he said himself, I'm averaging 80 as an opener. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. Wow. Yeah, there and you have it. Anything else we want to talk on this test match? Look, uh, you know, you asked me about the South Africans before. I think uh, you know the key the key thing that stood, stands out there. I mean, awesome story for for Dane Pete who came back yeah. and, and bowled you know beautifully well. I think actually they kind of missed a trick. South Africa not uh, not bowling him straight after. T, I think it was on, on that uh, in that final day when uh, when New Zealand were were going for the chase. He bowled, you know, really really well throughout that that test, and and I think probably had Nathan Lyon kind of licking his lips when uh, in terms of the way that New Zealand played off spin. But you know, cool story for someone to have you know pretty much given up on on playing international cricket again. Gets a text from Shukri Conrad, you know, New Zealand question mark pretty much in the same way that uh, Moeen Ali yeah. Moeen Ali got. So yeah very very cool story and I think the the other thing is is betting him right you know betting him was I think he'd already shown in that series against India that he was someone that you know is up to test standard but he sort of you know awesome for him that he said like no I'm not going to take the the T20 contract because you know he's not contracted by South Africa cricket so he was able to kind of make that decision on his own and Mm. I think you see him play he clearly could have got a contract like he's good enough to have his his game translates to T20 cricket as well, but he said no. I want to show that I'm a Test cricketer, yep. and and he did that in, in absolute spades. And and yeah, his hundred, you know, he put South Africa into a winning position in that game, and could have, you know, he continues there for probably another half an hour, and, and New Zealand's in mm. some serious trouble. Yeah, so. he's he's the key takeaway from yep. from this series from a South African point of view. He's the guy that when all their other stars come back, and you know, all of the, you know. Um, firmament aligns he he will be the guy who who should be in the selectors conversation still going forward yeah class cricketer right should we finish off with a little bit of new zealand australia t20 
Um, Twitter uh, still carrying on with this. Uh, Michael Atherton reckons these are good uh, changes for England, by the way. So I'll oh, go very with, good, very good. Well, go whatever with, he says I'll, goes, as well, far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And <laughs> um, so, first T20. Um, so Australia landing on their shores at the David Warner farewell tour. He got a warm reception. Wave to all the crowd down, when he was down, down at the basin. Oh, a kind but, to him when he left the field too. Yeah, absolutely. But cracking game of cricket for, for the for the neutral. What about for the the, the non neutrals, Baldy? Do you want to go bragging rights? No, no bragging rights. I think there are um, there are some things Australia need to pay attention to in the build up to this World Cup. We've got two more T20s, both of them in Auckland, which in and of itself probably need to be taken with a grain of salt (laughs) just because of the nature of the ground. Uh, For those who haven't been to Eden Park, Eden Park is the world's shortest ground straight (laughs) of the wicket um, and it's effectively played on a a rugby field, right, Um, with a a couple of little bits and pieces tucked in in, in and around the corners. I don't know if we're going to learn a lot, particularly about Zampa in in the Eden Park game, but... Do we need to learn much about Zampa? Well, he's been pretty, but he's been, but he's influential he, in he has the last been. two he ODI ha- World, well, limited overs World Cups. He has been. However, he was pumped last night, and he was pumped in the West Indies series. Australia have relied on him a lot, and we see now that when he is not on song, Australia get hammered. Does we, hurt? Yeah, he's we, a key cog in the attack. He is absolutely he? a key cog, and if and if sides can take him down on a regular basis, and New Zealand took him down last night superbly, I thought, particularly Ratchin. Ratchin yeah, got power that Ratchin yeah, showed yesterday. To be was, fair, all the spinners got pumped last night. In, in in fairness, they all did, but I think it's something that Australia need to pay some yeah. attention to, and and it might have actually implications for how we select this, the, whether or not we take a second spinner to the World Cup. And I think you will in the West Indies. I, 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 it, I think, it'll I think, be it'll be there'll be different. I think we will. Totally different pitches. Um, um, here. Which which might mean Agar might get a go. We'll, we'll cover this later, but it's something for Australia to to, to ponder on. Um, the concern for me is that we've conceded two hundred plus in the last four T uh, Twenty internationals mm-hmm. that we've played. Mm-hmm. Now that's three against the West Indies, which we won two of, and this one, so we've won three out of four. But I don't think Australia want to be chasing two hundred on a regular basis, even in the West Indies, where grounds are smaller and the wickets are good and you can score lots of runs. So that is a concern for me. Um, but we, you know, we were saved by the fact that Tim David had been pillaging the Monopoly board. Um, <laughs> community chess cards and getting all the get out of jail freeze and, I and he's been being, spe- I, I think he's been selling him getting out of jail free he he like the the balls that he hit yesterday you know one one aside that Tim Saudi bowled a you know knee high full toss on leg stump that he flicked for six quite easily the two balls that he hit from Milne you know yes Milne missed but Milne missed fractionally you know and Tim David went back in his crease Milne probably just about Hit Got the, right. the Yorker line, you know, the Yorker length. But David's gone back in his crease, absolutely pumped both of those for six. And then the boundary, you know, the boundary at the end, Southie's pretty much probably hit that, well, bowled that where he wanted to bowl it. He, and, he bowled very well. And he smashed yeah. it. So, you know, yeah. He he actually, awesome I mean, I, I was being a little bit facetious in terms of like he's been using all his get-out-of-jail-free cards to get us home in some of these matches. But he's a key cog for Australia in that World Cup. He's one of our leading run scorers over the last little while. While we figure out who the best people are at the top of the order, he is actually solving a huge problem for us at six or and or seven. Um if we can bat him in both positions, that would be brilliant. But but six and or seven is is great. While we figure the rest of it out, because the rest of it is permutations. It's Marsh, Warner, Head, uh, Short, Smith, Maxwell, 
Inglis, Wade, all of those guys will shuffle in, in somewhere. somewhere. Um, Stoinis will sh- probably shuffle in somewhere, but he's the guy that really now Australia is not batting around, but we know what we're going to get in that finishing spot and the rest of it's just figuring out the, the yeah. remainder. I- ironically, going into those last three overs, but Mitch Marsh missed a couple, didn't he? And I think it would have yeah, actually maybe been a bit more comfortable. But yeah, I mean, he'd gone really well up until that, yeah, up yeah, until yeah. that point. But yeah, that was some clean, yeah. Oh, the, clean, it, it was a great. Like, I, you know, I obviously hated the ending, but it was a great. It was a great game of cricket, and I think from a New Zealand point of view, I mean, one, it'd be great to go to these games. You know, I'm going to these next two games. It'd be great to go to them and see Ripper games again. But I think for us, it's more about. Uh, I actually think it's more about the individual performances that we're going to see because getting Devin Conway to score some runs yesterday was was absolutely crucial. It, it wasn't a vintage sixty, even though it came off. You know, pretty. You know, still at a pretty good strike rate, and he was really, you know, important to keeping that strike rate. They they kind of kept it ten and over, almost the whole innings, and then him and Rutchen had a little spell that kind of took it over that mark. And uh, you know, but getting him to a score was mm. crucial, and and there were signs. You know, he had a cut back to back pulls off, off Pat Cummins at times. I think that you know the the inside edge thing is is always going to be a thing with Devin Conway. It, it was a thing when he was unstoppable, but you know now it's he's been sort of getting out that way a, a little bit more. It, it's been a problem, but you know I, I think just encouraging to see him score some runs, encouraging to see Lockie Ferguson bowl a really really, really well. brilliant spell. I don't know why he bowled a short ball uh, in that last well second to last ball or third to last ball that he bowled mm. that got deposited for six, but every other ball he bowled I think was was ball. brilliant he was he was hitting his Yorkers he was moving the ball around so with that pace was, with that, genuine pace that was really encouraging I think probably the the person who's under the most pre, the people who are under the most pressure in these next couple of games are probably Mark Chapman and Ish Sodi I think Sodi's yep. Sodi's been getting hit for for a while now in some mm. of these limited overs games and, and it's a it's a bit of a concern. I actually thought he bounced back quite well. It do- doesn't and, help that you that he has to play at home. No, and on, on these, these tiny grounds. Yeah, and he, yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I think he'll probably still be on the plane to to the West Indies. But I think he has to be. It'd be nice to see him get two for thirty in one of these games yeah. and, and kind of play an important role. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the pleasing thing for me, it's not a surprise to us, but it might be a surprise to some, is just how much power Ratchin had. Oh, you know, yeah. and and we saw him in Eden Park play a really good power innings that surprised a few. Mm. Um, I think he made maybe it was forty or thirty off off not many balls, yeah. but that's not what he is known for. And it's really pleasing to see that aspect of his game. If he's going to bat at number three for New Zealand in those circumstances, really bring that to that to that contest. Um, but I think the the Sodi thing just shows you how good Santner is, right? Oh, in, yeah. in T20s, right? The, the comparison of the two just shows you how good Santner is and continues to be. Uh, so there are a little, a few things for New Zealand to work out, but you know this yeah, happens then, in T20 look, cricket. You there's no Williamson. There's no there's no Mitchell. Yep. Finn looked really good last night. I thought. Yeah, I real thought happy with him. He's kind of you know show, starting to show some things yeah. and, and yep. showing a bit more of that balance. But I know we, we, we're running quite late. Baldy, you did want to just mention Australian can, women's. Cannot, can we just talk about yeah, the women's absolutely. test match with South Africa before we An- go? Annabelle Sutherland, surely. An- yes, Annabelle, Annabelle Sutherland is the headliner. Um, fantastic innings. I mean, Will Sutherland's played for Australia and, and now Annabelle Sutherland's got a double hundred You know, player of the match. Got, I did got, not realise they were related. Anyway. S- brother and sister. Awesome. Um, son cool. of James Sutherland, the CEO of Cricket Australia. <laughs> so 
So nepotism <laughs> um, in, in, at the selection table, notwithstanding, I'm not suggesting that there is. Um, well, just, she just certainly showed she belonged there. Absolutely. So Alyssa Healy also joins Mitchell Stark and the husband and wife with top score of 99 club um, in, <laughs> in test cricket. And Australia have thrashed South Africa. However, I think what's most important to take away from the last two series that Australia have played when they played India and lost the test match to India and South Africa have had landmark victories in the ODI and T20 series is that international women's cricket is getting closer and closer and closer together. Yes, Australia are uncovering great new players to replace the likes of Meg Lanning and and, um, and Rachel Haynes who have both retired. Um, but, but it is encouraging to see the the gap between the Australian, you know, unstoppable juggernaut, mm. and I use air quotes for those listening on Spotify, um, and the rest of the international game, you know, that's closing and closing rapidly. So that's fantastic for the for the women's game. I wish I could feel the same about New Zealand getting closer to them. But the White Ferns obviously hasn't, haven't played for a while. They we'll haven't. See, we'll and, see what and, happens. And that's the other point, is that now hopefully this test match in particular, not that it was a particularly close game, but is a catalyst for more women's test cricket um, being played by more nations more often. Um, I don't think we're going to see many three test series. We don't in men's cricket, so why would why, why would that change? Uh, but hopefully we see more women's test matches being played because I think that the standard of cricket is light years ahead of where it was 20, 25 years ago and it deserves to get billing um, as, a, as a format that's played on a regular basis. Yeah, could could not agree more. I mean, I I just look at someone like Alyssa Healy, who's been around for a long, long time. Te- test match debut in 2011. Yeah, has only played nine test yeah. matches. So, yeah, there there should I think be you know you look at the the success of that women's Ashes series with the multi format. You know the way that it dovetailed in with the men's series last last year was fantastic. It was awesome. But one test match. I think you've got to see you've got to see three, even if it is just with England, India, South Africa, Australia. Maybe yeah. it does. It, like you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So you, you've got to start somewhere, even if it's t- like even if we start with two, like we have oh, here no, in well, New Zealand. Well, honestly, if you start with one with one test being mandatory for every series, or you know whatever, like yeah. for a touring side, yeah, that's that's a huge start. Yeah, New Zealand, absolutely. Yeah, you, most of that New Zealand side hasn't played a test. Hasn't played a test. Yeah, they've been you know someone like Sophie yeah. Devine. I don't think she's played a test. In fact, when you look at it, that's insane. Alyssa Healy's played 107 women's ODIs and 153 women's T20s for nine test matches. Yep. Yeah. It's outrageous. So yeah. anyway, uh, so congratulations to the Australians. Um, they've they've continued to, to, you know, they put up a record score, um, 575 for nine declared on the back of um, Healy's 99, Mooney 78, and then a bunch of, you know, 30s and 40s and 50s and Annabelle Sutherland's 210. <laughs> Huge. Um, so, yeah, well, well done them. Uh, all that's remaining is that for Phoebe Litchfield to get a bunch of runs in Test cricket because she's a super duper duper star. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, boys. Thanks Absolutely. for humouring me. Absolutely. Um, well, that is all we've got time for. Well, we've probably got time for much, much more, but we are <laughs> going to stop uh, a lazy hour and 12 uh, minutes. So thanks for bearing with us if you've made it this far into the Top Order podcast. As we mentioned, England, India kicks off tomorrow. We've got the mm-hmm. T20 Eden Park tomorrow night as well. Second game, third game on Sunday, although the weather forecast looks shocking uh, for that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got some test cricket down at the Basin and at Hagley. We'll be covering all of that on the Top Order podcast and a lot, lot more. Uh, but for now, it is good night and God bless from us here in Auckland. We'll see you soon on the next episode. Good night.